Fandom Canon, the Game of Rook podcast where co-op play is canon, and where I could be your father figure. I'm not finishing this rhyme. Anyway, this is episode 29, Papa Don't Preach, where we'll pay tribute to awesome fathers in video games. This is Tiffany. And this is Mia. We're going to go straight into the talk from Team Tandem. Woohoo! So, Mia, what have you been up to for gamer homework? I haven't really played a lot of games because we were too busy preparing for the anniversary episode. Yeah. And getting that out. So, yeah, it just posted on June 11th. So if you have not checked it out, please go in and, and listen. It's and, a little bit longer yeah. than our normal episodes, but we put a lot of heart and soul into it. And it's just a thank you for you guys for following us mm-hmm. and, and being so awesome. Definitely <laughs> so awesome. So I guess a lot of stuff that we have gotten into this past week gaming-wise has been collaborative. So we can actually say we played together, even however brief. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm over here at Mia's house right now. So we finally got to Lego Star Wars, yeah. the Force awakens so we've played up to the same part where you're at now playing it with a friend what do you think about it i really like playing it with a friend a lot better obviously uh-huh. the lego games have always been good about co-op and oh yeah making it easy for people to really just jump in at any time and it's a very easy learning curve and it makes solving puzzles a lot easier yes <laughs> so i'm not a puzzle person but tiffany's awesome at it and i was like i don't get this thing because you were just like what did i do again what is this supposed to do I'm like yeah. press the button and oh yeah, and I just that. played this like literally <laughs> days ago, and I could not remember it. I'm like, oh my god, this is embarrassing. What's good about co-op play is always great to have a second brain. And it makes tasks go a lot faster, because oh, you don't have to spend as much time collecting coins, because you have someone else sweeping the area, right? taking down enemies and stuff. It's definitely different. Now, granted, I have not played since maybe Lego Marvel Super Heroes. It's been a while. But even in that same vein, the game has been the same as it always has been, I guess, also, the key elements of the game have changed. Now you have a cover system. It's kind of like a training wheel for kids for them to learn how most games would do cover systems in the future. It's a little different and sometimes a little tedious when it comes to the rebuilding blocks. Right. This level could have been wrapped up 20 minutes ago. Like, that part, I could have dealt with that. I'd rather just go ahead and just leave it to the regular mechanics of the game. They're trying to stretch out an entire movie's worth of game. Like, oh, Star Wars 2 was better. It's nice because it starts right with the Battle of Endor, so it kind of like previously on Star yeah, Wars. I like that dynamic, and once you've played one Lego game, you've pretty much played them all. I do appreciate that they've added additional worlds and stuff. Like I yeah. was telling Tiff, The Force Awakens, they have a galaxy map that looks a lot like Mass Effect, Yes, and you can go back to different planets that you've been on, you can go to new planets, and they have new missions and stuff. And so I do appreciate that they're trying to make sure that you're getting your money's worth out of it. Yeah, I still don't think it's a $60 worth you shouldn't pay maybe 20 or 30 for that i agree but definitely something i would like to finish mm-hmm. and then we also played overwatch or at least attempted to play because the anniversary the double xp weekend so we're like oh let's do the thing and mm-hmm. we teamed up with scott murray from assembly of geeks yeah and poor tiffany with that and everybody and their grandma everybody was on the server so there was not a chance in living hell that i could get onto the server but that's okay i still got like a good couple of things that i can depart with on a good note for the anniversary so it's been fun i tried quick play 
Yes, she did. For the first time. And she did well for the two times I saw before I got kicked out. Apparently, (laughs) yes, Tiffany ended up on an opposite team from me, and I had no idea. Because I remember you joining the game at some point. I was like, awesome, cool, let's roll. And she's like, yeah, you shot me. I'm like, wait, what? Oh, yeah, you shot me in my head. Who was I? You were Torbjorn. No, more like your Torrent shot me in the head and in the ass and in the stomach. Well, anyway, like practically Mia's team totally smoked my team. Wow, I'm sorry. Rest in peace, team. <laughs> but that's okay. You did so well. I was so proud, especially when I was able just to, I could see you do so well and become more comfortable with things. So I was really proud of you for that. Oh, thank you. You're I was scared shitless. Hey, you did the thing. I couldn't tell. Oh, yeah. That, that one time, though, when I was Mercy on Nepal and all my team got wiped out. Yeah. That was probably, like, the scariest minute of my life until <laughs> my teammates had joined up. And I was like, yay, okay, let me heal. It's like, hey. Because, yeah, I think yeah. I died. And then literally, like, 30 seconds later, they died. And so by the time I had gotten out there, all five of them were... Were still go- trying to come back after you. Yeah. And so I was freaking out because they were on the point And I, I was like, oh, no, let's duck in here and hide mm-hmm. for a little while. It's all about competitive sports. Also, we got some news about the good old Agents of Mayhem. I have so many mixed feelings about this game. Just when I'm like, oh, you know what? I'm going to take a chance on Volition, do the thing, and, you know, show my support. Yeah. We found out, I was checking on Twitter, and it looks like if you pre-order through GameStop, that's the only way that you're going to get GAT in Agents of Mayhem. It's going to be a GameStop exclusive release for the U.S., and then internationally, it'll come with physical copies. Yeah, so I already have mixed feelings about, you know, this whole pre-order bullshit shit anyway, especially because Gat is a beloved character in the Saints Row franchise. Right. And especially for the old school fans like us, like he has a specific meaning for us. But GameStop especially, Mm -hmm. I'm not a huge fan of GameStop. Their employees are really cool and I know that they're under a lot of pressure. It's the corporate policies behind it. It's the corporate policies behind it and I've I've been trying to move away from using GameStop and use other outlets like Amazon or Target because I have a much more comfortable experience going. Yeah. I don't feel hassled and I can still get the same product without having to deal with all that. So. Yeah. So it, it puts a damper on things because it's like I was really hyped about, okay, let's get this game. And then I saw, oh, you have to pre-order to get GAT. Right. GAT should have been kind of like the Goodwill ambassador for mm-hmm. the game. It should have been the olive branch. Please put trust into this series because I know there's a lot of Saints Row original fans that are kind of on the fence on whether or not they're going to buy first out the box. But with this one, if they would have done Gat as kind of like a given him as one of the people you can already have in the game, each person like Amazon or Target or GameStop, each will have like a different DLC that each of them could attach to the game and you can go and get wherever you want, wherever. We shouldn't be punished right. for them not wanting to give us get out the gate. That doesn't seem right to me. Kind of like done away with pre-ordering at this point. I'm just yeah. like, unless it's a, a company that I solidly can get behind, like Rockstar. Rockstar. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I just, I don't feel comfortable pre-ordering stuff anymore. Just yeah. especially after what happened with Mass Effect. That was like the last big one other than maybe Persona. Even with Destiny coming down the pike, it looks so pretty, but I'm still just like, mm, mm. I, I don't know. We'll provide some more information about E3 and I know there's a couple of things that I kind of have my eye on but I want to get more info oh definitely so yeah (laughs) but also another reason why our past week has been a little hectic is because we did a couple of crossover episodes yay 
first, I know that we had just finished getting done hanging out with our friend Kevin from Twiatch. Yeah. And that's this week in our collective heads. And did a pre-E3 rundown with him. So that was an awesome episode and a great experience. We absolutely love hanging out with him and sharing his immense knowledge. Mm-hmm. And it's so fun being around other people who are passionate mm-hmm. about games and they get it. And it's like, oh my gosh, thank yes. you. <laughs> <laughs> our stuff is legitimate. We're not just angry. Yes. <laughs> we had met him through our Harry Potter group. We were taking over for Patrick, who was on vacation. And mm-hmm. we learned about his destiny stuff. He's like, yeah, I'm not really good at shooters. I'm like, really? He's like, really? <laughs> like, yeah. You need to come on our fire squad. Right. Like, I would love to broaden that opportunity in the future. And we want to try and get both of them on our, mm-hmm. our show at some point. Yes. And, and just geek out about stuff. So. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Also, we have another one with the Assembly of Geeks. We are going to be on the Gamers Dominion. It should already be posted, I believe, this week. So... This is involving Mr. Scott Murray, the one who had helped inspire us to proceed with the podcast. And so we had finally reconnected and it was just great reconnecting with him and getting to know Janice. We will definitely keep you posted. Got some really good insight on his pet peeves for Overwatch. Yes. And um, beware. Yeah. And so once we're like, okay, let's team up and play together. He's very, very protective about being with people who are not equally yoked with his skill set. And he's very particular. You better stay with that payload when you're supposed to. Right. He's like, I'm staying on top of this payload. If you're not within sight of it, you're I'm not sorry. Getting healed. Exactly. I am sorry about you. All right. So Tiff. Are you ready to level up? Let's do it. Let's level up. All right. So today's tandem topic tea time. We're going to discuss video game dads and father figures because it's Father's Day. Yes. Happy Father's Day to all of you fathers or father figures. Mm -hmm. So we wanted to make sure you guys got a shout out because I think we did some really extensive work with the Mother's Day episode. And so, yeah. It's Dad's turn. So, Tiff, do you want to kick things off? Usually we notice that you find these kind of types of fathers in video games. And we find that generally the fathers kind of have a little bit more positive fate than the mothers. Mm-hmm. Sometimes. That protagonist said, is an orphan. Kind of what I chose in Mass Effect. What kind of sets them apart from the four attributes you generally find mothers in. With fathers we find that's a little bit of a mixed bag, isn't it? Yeah, like there's more of an actual range with them and mm. they're treated... Regardless of their background, they're still treated as nuanced people. Yeah. Regardless of their, their failings and other issues going on. Amongst other things. Yeah. So you get a wide range of people who they might end up dead or they might end up sacrificing themselves. Yeah. Or they're just complete dicks and just, peace yeah, out. Peace it's, out. It's been real. Or, you know, they have sort of like a morally gray center where yes. it's like they want to do right for their kid. But maybe personal circumstances or external events prevent them from really being the fathers that they know that they can be right. or should be. Or would want to have been, but exactly. now it's just like a conflict of interest against their kids. No offense, but you know, sometimes your personal beliefs do get in the way of father or parenthood in general. But generally, this falls more onto fathers that we see in video games. And a lot of times you might see them being the last sacrifices or the MacGuffin to either to just help move the story along. Mm. Sometimes it usually happens at the beginning of the story, then it sets the precedent of. But also, we see often these are portrayed as either a or the hero of a particular game. It doesn't have to be the main person in the story, but usually this 
someone like off to the side that is like a support of the character but is still considered a hero or amongst the brethren of the group right or even if they're an anti-hero yeah they're still treated like an actual person yes and they're not vilified necessarily for the things they do there's a sort of understanding that there are circumstances at work that sometimes have made them that way right and you get to kind of see how they develop as a character, whether that's good or bad. Because they're given layers, and that's right. not, also not fair. <laughs> they're given layers or a backstory of the reason why they are this way, or just didn't know about it, and like, it just sounds like a bad episode of Mari. We also u- usually see like these type of relationships that they have with other men are generally pretty brotherly or considered equal mm-hmm. most of the time, especially amongst their squad mates and teammates. I guess more military action set game, but they're still usually considered equals. You know, they're the bro element comes comes into play. Right. And it was interesting when we were doing research just based on our own experiences. It seemed like the father figures that did exist, they were usually father figures of sometimes female right. protagonists or, right. or characters, which was kind of an interesting dynamic. You saw a lot more of a brotherhood or where they're on the same level and they rely on each other and they yeah. care for each other and there's a special bond there. There were only a really a small few of games that they were direct, like either a father to or a father figure of another dude. Yeah. Yeah. And so that was kind of an interesting dynamic. And mm-hmm. it's like, it's that stuff you don't really think about yeah. until you sit down and you're like, well, shit, I don't know how I, I should feel about that. But I was thinking about some of the more recent games that I've played, like the Warriors and stuff like that. Even the people that they considered father figures, they were the morally gray people that either sometimes did the backstabbing or something like that or they were father figures for a very short time period and then something happens or yeah and that's generally what happens is like you only have your father figure for a short period of time and Mm -hmm. then something happens or something in the story happens that good bad and indifferent something drives you apart either by circumstances or by something very very tragic the purpose that father figures or fathers actually face within a video game they often end up influencing or even guiding the protagonist to either down a certain path or you know influencing their decisions and and their morals and their ethics and trying to figure out like where do they fit in in life right what is their ultimate goal and if they are actually living up to those things and like the reason why (laughs) you have to go out and do something well I want revenge or I want to be the best person in the world or I want personal glory and it's to make my father proud or something like that. I need to be on that same level. Like he did something awesome and great so I need to step up. Trying to hand down something to their kids and make something greater of themselves. It's Mm -hmm. like, you know, I want you to be so much better than what I was. Right. Sometimes like a lot of these protagonists in video games, usually with their fathers, are generally like the last people to influence their decisions or goals in life. Getting that foundation with the character is supposed to lead off on their purpose is slightly different they serve the same sort of concept in a way but it's executed in a different way where they're still even when we're not really actively present there's still a presence in their life to a certain extent whereas with moms it's sort of like oh well out of sight out of mind we kind of have that even in you know in real life now you know how with our mom side we embody her as being the nurturing the you know the protectant but the dads are protective of legacies of home of the home of the fortune of their goals are essentially the same things and yeah it seems like mother figures are more concerned about the interpersonal parts yes communication and understanding well-being I guess empathy yeah exactly and developing that whereas fathers are like you know I want you to be able to survive I want you to be tough and be able to handle yourself I'll make a man out of you (laughs) (laughs) I think 
that's a great foundation for what at least good fathers try to denote. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and especially because uh, what we noticed is uh, the camaraderie yeah. or the relationships between fathers and sons or father figures and their adopted sons or daughters, they're pretty harmonious for the most part. Yeah. Unless, like, there's conflict of interest, they get to, like, this fork in the road where it's like, I believe in XYZ ideal, mm-hmm. you believe this way, or it's enough where it, it creates that rift somehow. Yeah. Where it leads to that backstabbing yeah. or that sort of thing. So Or ultimate betrayal. And that's always, like, to that point of no return when something mm-hmm. you have to do in order to stop someone you care about because they're on that opposition and they're about to do something detriment to the world. Right. As we know it. <laughs> <laughs> so, I guess, are you ready to get straight into these fathers and father figures? Let's do it. All right. Yeah. So, you know what? Just go ahead. Okay. You know, <laughs> it's Mass Effect time. Um, everybody gather around. Get your blankets. Get your pillows. Shoot, where's my s'mores? Let me dig it Yeah, up. get a snack. Um, Mass Effect series has some really awesome dads, if not father figures figures outright. So Commander Shepard, like I said, because you know, you could play them as male or female, mm-hmm. they could be considered a father figure. And oh yeah. I think last time when I talked about moms, I talked about Grunt and yeah. kind of how like your decision sort of guided Grunt's behavior and stuff like that and you end up being a battle master for him and, mm-hmm. and stuff. So he respects you highly. And I also thought about Tally in mm-hmm. a way, just depending on how you played her, if you didn't see her as a, a romantic interest, you could kind of see her as like a little sister. Yeah, because Tally's relatively young. She's on her pilgrimage. Depending on how you play with Tally, I've never personally played as male Shepherd because there are a ton of male characters in space. Let us have that, yeah. that one. But I mean, there Theoretically, you could be like an older brother, father figure to her because your decisions have a direct impact on her life and the life of her people. So it makes those decisions and stuff more palpable. You're directly involved. And I could even say Garrus, but I think they're roughly around the same age. Maybe Garrus is a little bit younger, but you know, kind of the same concepts. And then Captain Anderson. Yes, definitely. love Definitely. Anderson, I what I love about Mass Effect, number one, you have a black man running yes. things, which is awesome. But I liked how he was written. He was nuanced. He did some questionable things in his past, and you find out he was framed for a lot of it. Yes. You go back and read the novels. He was very logical. He was calm, and he knew his shit. When he bequeaths his ship and over to Shepard, he's like, I fully trust you. I know right. you know what you're doing. Don't make the same mistakes I did. And, and that's why I also liked, you know, for the brief time I did play Mass Effect fact what I loved about Anderson is how even when it came down to the wire how he was willing to practically sacrifice himself to make sure that you got away from the citadel he is willing to literally protect you with everything he has he's willing to look the other way if you're doing something (laughs) he's willing to punch you Dina in the face and I was like fuck yeah yes do that he was willing to put his career on the line for for Shepard and even you know once she died even still for years he was still like the reaper are still coming. Shepard might be dead, but the threat is still here. Like, yeah. he still believed in that. Even all the way up until three. Oh my gosh. Three, the ending of it made me cry because what happens to Anderson and I was just like, I lost it. I was like, that's it. I'm done. Just oh, put this wow. table. Wow. Um, as much criticism that the ending has had, one of the things I really liked was how Anderson, how that ended. It was, again, a very well-made character arc for him, a good story arc, and just a reflection of what has happened from the first game to the third game Mm. when everything falls to shit in three he's like I have a duty to stay here on earth and help people go get your help he puts his trust in you unconditionally and I absolutely love that and then Rex (laughs) yeah I don't know what 
it is about Krogan in this game, but like the older Krogan are always the best father figures. They're rugged and they're tough and they don't take any shit, but they keep it real with you. Like they don't pull any punches around okay. you. When keeping it Krogan goes wrong. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, if you, you know, when keeping it Krogan goes wrong, you just end up dead. You so. just really end up dead. <laughs> I really admired Rex. Because he was just very real about his past views on the genophage and what has happened right. to his people. And even him seeming like sort of a lost vessel in a way. He's like, I've been a mercenary for all these centuries, but it hasn't really given me the happiness I need. Right. He's one of the greatest friends that you could ever have. Mm-hmm. Like, he, he definitely looked up to him because he has good leadership skills. And he does have that empathy that is needed in Krogan. Because he's not just looking at himself or his clan, but the good of his people. And he's like, we can't keep doing the same shit we've been doing for thousands. And he acknowledged that from John. Pretty much. He's like, we've really fucked up. We kind of deserve what we got. But at the same time, now that that so much time has passed, it's time for us to move forward and move past that. And he still has his prejudices. But I mean, in a way, they're justified because he's still treated like a pariah. And so I really liked, and his story arc, he's one of my favorites. And then Drac, I talked about Drac and how much, like, one mission I disappointed him and I ended up crying. Yes, <laughs> about that. Because, I mean, he ended up being my surrogate dad in Mass Effect Andromeda because the real dad, things happen. He's this old grizzled veteran, has been around a while, and he's like, yeah. I'll like oh, so he's Soldier 76? Kind of. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't say I got you in my sights, but, I mean, you might as well say or, that. Or Captain America, no yeah, Captain America. But, you know, he he's kind of in the same vein as Rex, a little bit a little bit more progressive, but it's sort of that same feeling of, I want to make him proud right. of me, and I want to do right by him and his people. He's one of those programs that is like, we fucked up! Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just acknowledging those mistakes and realizing that we don't have to live the same way we were in the Milky Way. We have a chance to regroup and redo things over again. And then this last one, Alec Ryder from Mass Effect Andromeda, it's mm. kind of established early on that he wasn't the most present dad in his children's lives. But as you unfold, everything that he's done up until that point was because he was so in love with your mom and he wanted mm. to protect his children wow. in the best way he could. And so it was just one of those examples of a very nuanced character that his intentions were good. Execution didn't really fall the same yeah. way. And so he wasn't really the best with like affection and all that, you know, protecting him and his family's future. You get it at that point so yeah those are mine that's the thing of having a game that has so many different diverse characters in there you're going to run into a lot that have those attributes Mm -hmm. i have to give a shout out to joel from last of us the epitome of badass father figure that's who joel is Mm -hmm. you essentially see joel straight out the gate being such a great awesome father you see him go from fear to absolute heartbreak from jump and so you immediately feel for this guy having to lose something he cared so much about and sacrificed his life for and just couldn't at that time but then to have like a second chance at fatherhood with Mm -hmm. ellie was a great redemption he kind of guide her to go out west because in her genes she's the one that could possibly cure the human race you see of course their relationship changed to strangers and it really comes to a secret bond especially at the end where he refuses to let her be operated on and he takes her out he just does not want her to die he would rather her be raised healthy and happy seeing that trailer for the next last of us i don't think that happened that Mm. piece did not get there so we'll definitely see how their story arc has evolved but definitely joel is that strong father figure and protect an absolute stranger and 
raise her as his daughter. So that's awesome. And of course, we have to include Overwatch. So every episode, y'all are just going to expect like Mass Effect and Overwatch and maybe Assassin's and Creed. And maybe Assassin's Creed so, drop. Just letting y'all know. So first off, we have Torbjorn. I love him so much. He's just so much fun to the play Santa, with. <laughs> the Santa cheerleader. Right. He, he's just so warm and engaging. Uh-huh. He's like, oh, come get your armor. He's just, <laughs> he's just happy all the time. Like, even when he's fighting, he's just like, yeah, like, I'll kick ass, but it's going to be great. And we're going to do amazing. You are awesome. I love you so much. Yeah. Because he just seems like a very happy, very good-natured person. Mm-hmm. And it's nice to be around positive people. Yes. And because it just, it changes who you are as a person. It's like, no matter how crappy of a day I'm having I would want to be around Torb. He would make a great dad or grandpa. Yes he just- would. <laughs> Especially doesn't help like you know one of the what was it the highlight things is him reading the story to his turret. Right. So I'm like already that's his baby and he's really protective of his turret so like when you mess with that he's about to put the hammer your face in. Don't mess with the turret. He is such an awesome fatherly cheerleader that out the gate he's up there cheering you on. Just mm. love it. Also Reinhardt kind of like Torbjorn's cousin like both have gone drinking you know offhand <laughs> You know they have. I think of Reinhardt as that stereotypical protector of everybody, especially when he has his shield up. He's already telling people to get behind him, wanting to protect his team. So it kind of comes with a fatherly bearing and wanting to make sure that everybody is okay. He's already been one of those key characters in Overwatch has been around for a while. He is the OG. A lot of times when Reinhardt is on the team, I always feel protected. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like a warm hug. <laughs> I haven't played with Reinhardt, or I haven't been around too many people that have played with Reinhardt, but just for from what I've seen, like, with the, the short videos and stuff like yes. that, like, I get that vibe. Just, like, your classic dad, if anybody messes with you, he will knock them the fuck oh, out. Oh, man, um, with that hammer, just knock them dead. To the face! Also, we can say the same thing about Hanzo, but, of course, doing what he was supposed to do, and so... They had to battle it out. Like, Hanzo had to tell Genji about himself. So, his older brother comes with the responsibility of making sure that his younger brother stayed on the right path. But Genji wasn't having any of that. And the cool thing, too, with Hanzo's story arc, like, he regretted. Yeah. He thought he really did kill his brother. And that just messed him up. Yeah. And to see him kind of go back from, I have this duty to kill my brother. This is what has been told to me. I I have to carry this out. Yeah. And then thinking that it actually happened and being really affected by that. I think that's awesome because it shows he's not a heartless killer. He has a sense of duty and honor. He he thought he was doing what was right for the clan and everything. So he does love his brother. Yeah. It's just, you know, they have that weird sort of relationship. But yeah. So has Genji nitpicking and and like, or Hanzo's like, we are nothing alike. I'm like, okay, first off, calm down. It would be nice to see if there was ever some kind of olive branch. At the end of the day, you're still family. Yeah. So especially if he can see that Hanzo has changed. Yeah. And he really has been affected by that decision then hopefully that will lead to reconciling. What do you think about Winston? He seems like he would make a good dad. Yeah. Honestly, because he's just very good natured and just very like charming and smart. Those are good traits that you would want in someone who's going to be responsible for tiny people. He wants what's best for his team and he tries to look out for them but when he goes in a rage, get the hell out of the way. And don't say too. Yeah. (laughs) So it's like he'll go out of his way to protect the people that he cares about. He's protective Mm -hmm. 
the reason why Overwatch exists. He is the herald that is trying to hold this all together. And finally, Zenyatta. Zenyatta. Just for the simple fact that he is the healer of the group and he's taking care of your ass. So, so did you have any father figures from the Tomb Raider series? Conrad Roth. He is the person who kind of took over looking after Laura. So essentially he became kind of like a surrogate father of Laura while Richard was playing absentee father. When Laura was maybe 11 or 12, Roth then decided to raise her as a guardian. He was the one that set the footprint for her. Mm-hmm. Taught her how to survive. Yes, she had the architectural desire from her father, but Roth was the one that instilled that survival instinct in her. I put Richard Croft here because, you know, he was still absentee. You find out him and the butler Winston also was a good fire figure for Laura. It was as much as they could. And then, of course, we had to put Assassin's Creed yes. on the list. Y'all, I it's mean... just a couple of fathers. I mean, meh. Yeah, I mean, say what you want about Assassin's Creed as a whole. Yeah. But I really do feel like they have a good representation of good fathers and good father figures. Definitely. We have to start with Altair, of course. Yes. He's the original. What are your thoughts, Tiff, on on Altair? Because I saw more of him in the later parts of the series. Right. Unfortunately for Altair, he lost his dad at an early age, but that was such a great influence. But essentially, like all assassins, his life is full of struggle. (laughs) Of course, with struggle comes with sacrifice. As a father, he was extremely devastated, but luckily there was so much care and love that he was willing to sacrifice to keep him alive. You know, as tough as Altair became in his older age, he still loved so much. You can tell how much he loved his wife, despite her being a former Templar. And even in that last embrace of father and son, you can see how much he loved his son. Yeah, and I think it was a sign of how much Altair had matured as a person. Because he was so brash and arrogant. And and honestly, early Altair would have never made a great father Mm because he's just too selfish and he would have been terrible. But I think going through those struggles made him more cognizant of how precious human life is. Yes. And how much those things matter. What he does has a ripple effect on yeah. everyone else. So by the time you got to Revelations and you see him and Doreen talking, just in those couple of, of minutes, it's like, oh God, this is the most heartbreaking yes. thing ever. And also in hindsight of that, he became the father master assassin that changed things regarding assassins. Of course, Giovanni from Assassin's Creed yes. too. And it's just every time I talk about Assassin's Creed 2, I get a little sad. He just in the little amount of time that we got with Ezio's family, Giovanni had a good sense of honor. He was trying to help get his kids. He really wanted to keep his children grounded and he wanted to raise his children well and protect them to the best of his ability. Yes. And when you have Ezio, he climbed that that tower of the the prison Mm -hmm. and he's like, there's nothing that you could really do. You need to go take this letter to this person, not realizing that that was was the traitor. (laughs) And, And so when you see Ezio start off on his revenge mission, like you get it. You feel like we're gonna get some fucking justice because it wasn't just my father you killed you killed my family you killed my heart really he was able to keep a secret like that for so long from his kids right yet still technically train them in the ways of the assassins without their knowing you can tell even from jump how much he loved and cared for his kids especially his wife all those kids were born out of love right and devotion and you can tell that he devoted his life to make sure that his kids not only never wanted for anything struggle until it was necessary and 
unfortunately, he became necessary for Ezio. Yeah. And then also we had Achilles. He's more of the yeah. reluctant dad, just because. The reluctant dad. Um, but those are usually the best. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just so funny, his dynamic with Connor, because Connor, he really needed a parent. Someone who was going to be on his side to protect and care for him. And even though they had a very volatile relationship and their ideals were so night and day, because Achilles was doing some stuff back in the day, <clears throat> and Connor would call him out on it, in a way, Achilles did really respect Connor yeah. for sticking to his ideals. Yeah. Even though they seem naive on his end, we need that type of hope. We need, you know, that's the only way that the Brotherhood is ever going to survive. Right. If we have people like Connor. I think also Achilles needed the son, especially since his son had died earlier. So now Connor had taken the mantle his son would have become. He felt that more deeply than having to kill Haytham. Was able to love Connor like a son because Connor brought the renewed hope mm-hmm. that the Brotherhood needed. That Achilles no longer had. Yeah, I felt like in a way Connor sort of reminded Achilles of what he had originally started fighting for right. before things Shit got went corrupted and things fell apart. Even as volatile as they were, they cared about each other in their own weird little way. Yeah. So, see, what else did we have? Red Dead Redemption. Yes, John Marston. Now, he is the epitome of a good father that definitely turned his life around, but essentially wanted to raise him away from this life and taught his son pretty much the Boy Scout of the Wild West hunting and trying to instill good morals in her son especially for him not to struggle the way he did instills with him good morals right and wrong to where he knows his dad was really really screwed in the end Another one we had, The Sims. Yeah. I put Darren Dreamer because he's one of the original families on The Sims 2, single dads. But he seemed like he was a very good dad. He wanted the best for his son. He wanted to provide for him, make sure he was well cared for and that he was happy. Yeah. And especially when you see like a black character too, they went out of their way to create multi-ethnic families yeah. in The Sims. They had good rapport with people around town. Like yeah. they got along with everybody. And eventually it got to the point where he was able to remarry and continue his family and I just thought that was really cool. Yes. <laughs> uh, whereas you have like other families like the Pleasants and The Sims was one of the first games I think to really acknowledge that single parents were a thing and they existed. Yeah. And things happen. Families break up or the definition of a family changed and redefined a little bit through The Sims. So. Yeah. What about you? A little shout out to Mortimer Goff. He's definitely a participant in his kid's life. Wanted to make sure they're okay after the disappearance of Bella. Mortimer wants to make sure that his legacy is secured but also make sure that his kids are okay we had uncharted if you want to take this one because i've only played a little bit of the uncharted series i know a little bit about sully sully takes his kid under his wing and guides and raises him so he becomes his father figure to where drake looks up to sully as well if nathan is being beaten up in the bathroom sully is too <laughs> you see that rather die. Sully's just a cool character. He I is. Mean, just some of the stuff I've heard him say from the first couple of, of moments in the game, I'm like, I like you. You're yes. a little shit, but I like you. I like you. <laughs> and he'd have Nathan in tow, he even would. as a 14 year old. He would. Like, he's just like, just come here, kid. You're going to learn how to grow up today, son. <laughs> Put his hair in your chest. He's not going to embarrass me in the bedroom. But. And then we also had for Dragon Age Origins, Bryce Kuzlin. We've talked about Mrs. Kuzlin and how yes. awesome she is and the badass. Yeah. She's like, my 
family will be revenge. I'm about to put this up your ass. Oh, sorry. From what I remember, I mean, you didn't really get to spend a lot of time with him, but it seems mm-hmm. like he was that doting father. Yeah. Just want good things for my kids. I right. want them to be happy and well. And even his last couple moments when things were looking dire and yeah. your mom has to send you away, it's just like, I don't want to leave both of them, but they feel so honor bound to each other. Yeah. That if the situation were reversed, I feel like he would happily do the same for oh, her. Oh, definitely. And sacrifice himself to make sure his kids were safe. I guess I could add Duncan. Again, you don't spend a lot of time with him. Yeah. But once he discovers that you have those traits to be a really good, great warden and you pass those tests, Mm. he seems like he's very doting and he cares very much about you succeeding and being the best person that you can be. And even though those tests are brutal and you have to undergo all those things and he will kill you because you won't do what you need to do. Oh, he'll do that. Yeah. And it's not something he takes lightly. It's like he takes his duties very seriously. This is not child's play. Like you have to be really committed to this and so the fact that he really kind of takes a liking to you very early on mm-hmm. and then at your family's place yeah. too. and then even to the last doing his duty to protect the king even though he knows this is a foolish decision and oh, yeah. like, let's no, go really. back. Yeah. He feels honor bound to his duty in protecting the kingdom from the blight. But yeah. we forget it's Bioware, so. Bioware <laughs> likes to just fuck with my feelings. What was another game that you had in mind, Tiff? Gumshoe. This game was on the NES back in the day, and this is the one you can play with the Nintendo Zapper. But essentially, Mr. Stevenson, who's like an ex-agent guy of some agency, I believe, and his daughter gets kidnapped from this mafia boss, and so you have to try and rescue her. He's like, don't let this smooth taste fool you. I might be ex, but I will come after your ass. So you don't mess with me and mine. I'm coming after my daughter. So that shows dedication. Yeah. Even with a Nintendo zapper. <laughs> Just saying. So, shout out to Mr. Stevenson for Gumshoe. And I guess we could talk about Bioshock a little bit. I haven't really played Bioshock, but the big daddies, though. Would you count them as good father figures or good dads, technically? In a way. In a way. It doesn't help it that they're opposing you, but you can see where their intentions are. Their principle is to be around the little sisters, these little girls that are really hyped up on the drug of choice, Adam. And so, essentially, they're cool until you mess with the little sisters, and then if if you do, it's game over. So definitely that protection element comes into play with the big daddies. They want to make sure that their little sisters are protected and safe from undeniable creeps like yourself. Awesome. Final Fantasy. Oh yeah. I don't have personal experience with that, but. I don't either except for seeing people play it, but mm-hmm. I knew about this character. I knew about Barrett Wallace and of course it helps watching a couple of the Final Fantasy films too, like Advent Children and stuff, but oh, yeah. Barrett Wallace actually had adopted a little girl named Marlene. She's about like four years old in the realm of Final Fantasy 7, but he is also kind of like the main chief over this group called Avalanche that they're trying to go against Shinra because they don't want the Earth destroyed. That's pretty much what Shinra is doing. And so he's trying to not only be this awesome crime fighting person against this bigger evil, he's really doing it because he wants the Earth to remain good for his daughter. He wants something to be left for her. There was one part, I believe, in the game where he thought that something had happen to her when they reunite he's just ecstatic and bawling and happy to see her and it goes to show that he cares so much he sometimes doesn't wish to fight all the time he'd rather be with his daughter he wants to raise her but at the same time he knows the duty he has to do in order to make sure that her future is still bright another one we had sleeping dogs yes uncle poe yeah because he kind of becomes a, a father figure to Wei. of course he's one of the leaders of the triads and he's very high up there but different things happen 
happened where Uncle Poe ends up getting the assassination yes. attempt that actually gets bungled. And Uncle Poe, even though he knows Wei's true identity, and it seems like he pretty much knew like from, from jump. the jump, yeah. but was just kind of taking a wait-and-see approach yes. to kind of either like, like oh, okay. trap him or whatever. They come to the sort of mutual respect for each yes. other, and Wei looks up to him, even though Triad, obviously. Yeah. But it redefines what a family really is. Right. He doesn't really feel any sort of connection to his own family with his sister being, right. you know, what happened to her and right. his mom. And I can't remember what happened to his dad if he had died. There was hardly any mention from that. Uncle Poe was like that nurturing person who was willing to take away as he was. You can see it was really devastating in the hindsight of what happened to Uncle Poe in the end. That he would go even to his own out of respect, even despite the circumstances. <sighs> Uncle Aww. Poe, pouring. Pouring that one. Finally, what about Mr. Ethan from Heavy Rain? We were discussing this a little bit before Mixed we... Mixed feelings. Before we started, and... It's a little hard for him. Yeah, because on one level, I feel like he does have the characteristics that he could be a good father. Yeah. And especially, like, in the earlier parts of the game where... Definitely. He's playing with his kids or you have the option. So you could be a total dick to your kids and be like, oh, screw you, I'm not going to play with you. I'm only going to play with him and, you know, do right. favorites or not help around the house. So I think it just depends on how you play him. But I have mixed feelings because one kid got hit by a car, the yeah. other one got kidnapped. And so it's like, how... How do you put that into... Yeah, exactly. Into like, words. It's like, he's not technically a bad father because it's just due to circumstances. A lot of the choices he doesn't make, well, your choices are not good because Lord knows I felt like a bad father when I couldn't even remember what the kid was wearing when he got kidnapped. Right. It Felt was bad. like, is that a reflection on me as yeah. a parent? Or, or me like, just... I wasn't paying attention to his clothes. I was just happy he had on clothes. I was like, I'm about to say, <laughs> I was happy they were clean. I yeah. mean, what more do you want? I suffer from depression and my wife hates me. Depending on what decisions you make throughout the game, right? you could choose whether to walk away or if, oh, well, you know, I don't want to chop off my finger. And then there are other people who are like, I want my son back. Right. I'll do whatever it takes. It's going to hurt like hell. Right. I remember there was that one part when you walk through that electrical field thing mm-hmm. and oh god that was just it, terrifying uh, it just was like no i don't want to do this but are you willing to sacrifice yourself for the sake of your son's for, for welfare well-being and being kind of unfairly seen as a suspect in your own kid's kidnapping right really he's just a victim in all this so felt kind of bad for him on one level but it's like dude get your dick out stop put your put your dick back in go find your kids <laughs> <That's Stop. right. laughs> it's like i get you just want to step out for a minute but i'm oh. like <sighs> Bone like, after you find your kid. Like, can I add one more? Sure. I just thought of something. Yeah. Last one, I promise. Dojima from Persona 4. Oh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, he is the uncle of the main protagonist. And because you find out that his wife was killed and there were some issues there. He's a detective in a town. And with all the murders going on, he stays busy. And so Nanako, little tiny human Nanako, is mm-hmm. by herself all the time. Yeah. She's lonely, needs to have a father around and so your character kind of becomes like a older brother for her you can't really get mad at him because he has a job to do right. like you know he has to do his thing yeah and unfortunately he seems like he's the most confident person there so he's Damn, constantly that's... having to he'll make plans and stuff to do things with Nanako and you can tell he's really disappointed he doesn't want to leave he wants to be a good dad it's just that there are circumstances that are preventing that and especially with the death of her mom that still has some effect oh yeah it's, it has a big emotional effect. There are circumstances that happen toward the 
end and he acted a plum fool and was uh. like I want to be in the same room as my kid no I'm not going to bed I'm gonna stay right here he does love Nanako he does love your character as well he really cares in his own way it's yeah. just that he has a hard time expressing that well with that last one <laughs> a lot. are you ready for the wheel of random tandem let's spin this bitch spinning For this week of the Will of Random Tandem, what do you think about fathers in video games who walk the fine line between good and bad? <sighs> okay, so. <laughs> <laughs> The first one off top, I'm going to say Zaid Masani from Mass Effect. Ooh. Because in Mass Effect Andromeda, you find out that he has a son. Well. Yeah. And I'm like, I want to know who the mom is, number one. <laughs> and it seems like his son has inherited some of his traits. Zaid is just a very funny character. He's older. He's been around the block. He's a mercenary. So his only loyalty is to his coin. Uh-huh. And that's pretty much it. Maybe his gun. You have to earn his respect. I feel like he would make a good father and that he would really be good at teaching his children survival skills and how to operate in the very murky world that that master max is is. yeah so i don't think he would be one of those people that's like oh it's gonna be all right he's like no no no. grab love yeah i was like you better grow the fuck up because they're not gonna they're not gonna care how nice you are they only respect a gun yeah how fast you can pull a bullet in someone's head that's it he has those questionable moments where he's willing to sacrifice people to do a revenge kill or something like that but at the same time he has that side of him that in a way you know he wants to connect with other people yeah and he's very good natured and he seems like he's always good for a laugh but i think he's not really the nurturing kind he's more of the you know straight to the point yeah like he's not really gonna pull a lot of bullshit yeah you know maybe if he has a daughter perhaps i think he would be a soft probably not even that maybe it'll it'll be probably brought up more of like tough love he's like i love you honey but but and then another one i'm gonna say trevor phillips from gta 5 yeah yeah because ironically what i find funny even though michael kind of is like the, the father the default father figure for franklin i felt like trevor was the better one yeah even though it's crazy as shit and, <laughs> and you should not follow him in any capacity trevor kept he it kept real. real he told franklin up front don't trust this motherfucker because he doesn't have your best interests in mind right and even though trevor has his issues i do respect him for the fact that he lays it all out on the table he doesn't do the bullshit he's not gonna backstab no you. chaser once you have his trust it is there for life and he is literally ride or die mm-hmm. for you and will kill other people to do it or come and hunt you down if you betray him yeah trevor was kind of a better choice because michael was always about himself everything oh, yeah. was about him woe and, is me and even his sort of father figure like trevor caught the bullshit very early mm-hmm. on he's like oh so it's that type of relationship now are you gonna treat him the way that you treated me mm-hmm. and trevor cares about loyalty and and stuff like that and so I think if Franklin were ever in a bind Trevor has his back no matter what probably kill any woman that crosses him the wrong oh, way oh hell yeah she, in an instant he, he's a mess but he should not have kids ever but when it seems like he was on a, a relatively saner disposition uh, <laughs> he calmed that doing he, that a couple I mean, times he has some real truth bombs to offer 
he knew about the world and how it worked and the fakeness of people. He's experienced it up front. So. Yeah. What about you? James from Fallout 3. And of course, James is your father. I was putting him in the good, but then I thought about it. His good intentions are good because he's trying to go and, I guess, revitalize research and stuff that your mom had done before she passed. So he goes out into the world. But the thing about this, he leaves you high and dry. So you just wake up with alarm bells coming out and like, yeah, your father is missing. He's already fled the vault. Essentially, you're awoken by a childhood friend for you to get up and get out. And you were just like, I don't even know what's going on now. Like, <laughs> I just took an assessment test this last go around and I was told I was supposed to be a janitor. So now I have to get out of the vault. What am I doing? What is this for now? And so it kind of like leaves you in the lurch where you have to follow him and track him down. But of course, you're always like a step behind trying to find out what he's doing and what he's there for. But he doesn't leave you hardly any traces. That was kind of a shady thing just to suddenly just leave you with nothing, no further explanation of anything. So I'm just like, thanks, Dad. Okay. Um, <laughs> a good one, Haytham from Assassin's Creed 3. Oh. With Haytham, if you don't know his backstory, the reason why he became a Templar, taken in by a frenemy of his father to be raised in the Templar order after Edward had died. When you come to the crux where he knows about Connor, He's curious how it is to be a father and like, oh my god, this kid even looks like me. In the game, you see mostly the bad from Haytham and what he fought for. But in the book, it kind of fleshes it out more to where he does things that will question the side that he's fighting on. He saves Connor's life when he's hanging. He comes with that moral compass of maybe I could cultivate a relationship with my son. But also that question is like, at what point? Because he is so strong in his morals and so is Connor. So it's just like, how do we meet in the middle? But it's kind of interesting for him to even approach that and the Forsaken is practically his own journal so he essentially is leaving this journal for Connor and tells that I hope that my son will read this book and he can take it or leave it as he wants to. So with that we are done with our wheel random tandem. Yes! So do we have any final thoughts Tiff? The social stuffs. So you better do that. The Twitters, the Facebooks, the YouTubes, the Twitches, and the Tumblers. Woohoo! We have tons of new followers. Uh- <laughs> oh tons and all of them on on the Twitters. Twitter is, I don't know what it is about Twitter, but. It's blown the fuck up. Blown up. So we have Digital Trends, The Real mm-hmm. Sleep Ski, All Black Media, Philippa Willits, and then Mean Bean 88. Thank Nina. you. Yay. Hi, Nina. Hi. Thank you and, and welcome. And yeah, as always, we just hope we don't scare you off. So. Also, we have had a whole slew of commenters, and of course, a lot of these are on the Twitters. We have Per Aspera at Astra, User Friendly, Classic Game Fest, Wharfwood. Asteroid Blues, Black Gamers of Rev, Blue Suede Cartoons, I Wanna Be the Girl, Superpower J, Flirts Online, No Dark, Just Mall. I do too. Connor Mahood, K is Gaming, J Bell, and Britton Peel. Thank you all for commenting. And then we have to give some extra special shout outs once again uh, to Scott Murray and Janice Davis from Assembly of Geeks. Yes. And Tweeotch for letting us come on their latest podcast and, and rant and rave about stuff. <laughs> yes, hope to repeat both of mm-hmm. pleasures. They were great. So, and then for this week's PYT podcast, PYT YouTube, Tiff, who did you have? Loomer. They mostly do Assassin's Creed stuff.
stuff, but I know they play a couple for maybe like Ubisoft related games. They have this awesome thing called Assassin's Den, and that's when they bring in a lot of guests from Assassin's Creed, like Jesper Kidd, Noah Watts, Adrian Half, the one who did Hate Them, Craig Roger Smith, the one who voiced Ezio, he brought him on too, even the guy that did Arno. They got great interviews from all of these people. It's worth to check out. They posted both on YouTube, and I believe they also have it in iTunes and Google Play Store, so definitely worth getting if you are an Assassin's Creed fan and just hearing the things about the lore. Who doesn't want to hear Adrian Half says, my hat is a taco? <laughs> I'm sold! I'm, that's one of my favorite ones, like one of my top five, so. Awesome. Love it. <laughs> Let's see, mine for this week, I'm gonna go with Flippy from YouTube. He's a Saints Row channel and he's an old school Saints Row gamer, so a lot of his content discusses Saints Row 1 and 2, kind of the evolution of the series to this point, and his views on things that may have changed over time and there's definitely a certain type of mindset from OG Saints Row people versus definitely um, the new three and four and it's not saying that they're bad or anything like that it's just I think the audience and so he does some really great analysis and commentaries if you consider yourself a Saints Row fan at all I would definitely follow him even if you've only played three and four I think you'll get some really good insight from his channel so definitely check him out all right well let's go straight into the events Mm -hmm. we have the classic game fest Austin, Texas, July 29th through the 30th. We also have Let's Play Gaming X in Irving, Texas, August 5th through the 6th. And also QuakeCon, which will be in Grapevine, Texas, August 24th through the 27th. And then we'll be adding some new events that will be happening in the fall. Just check around for updates, I think, probably with the next podcast episode. So just make sure that you're subscribed so you get all the updates. And yeah, so our next episode will be our 4th of July. The Mark episode. America. So it'll be released July 2nd. So if that is all, we will see you next time. Stay awesome. Stay fantastic. And yeah, we love you. Bye. Happy Father's Day. No fathers were harmed in the making of this podcast. Thank you.